Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. This is my third week now speaking on tithing, on tithes. And I posed a question a few weeks ago, should Christians tithe? And then I also mentioned the fact that that's the wrong question to ask. Because it's really not about coming down to this should Christians tithe. But it really comes down to understanding the foundational principles of Christian stewardship. Amen. So first go with me to Malachi. Chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 6. Now, the book of Malachi actually is a very interesting book. It's actually the Lord asking a lot of questions. So, you know, it's a number of questions that the Lord asks, and then he pretty much answers the question, gives the answer. But so it's not should Christians tithe. We, we're not the ones asking the question. It's the Lord that's actually asking the question. And it's the last book of the Old Testament scriptures. And after Malachi, there was over 400 years of silence. No wonder because when you read through the book of Malachi, you see the condition, the spiritual condition. Even though, of course, there's a lot mentioned about offerings, giving, stewardship. But it really is addressing the spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual temperature, the spiritual condition of the nation. All right? So let's read from verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Instead of calling them Israel, he calls them Jacob by their old nature, right? Deceivers. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Now that sounds like repentance, doesn't it? Return, repent, right? So they needed to return to the Lord because they had been away from the Lord. So this is like a rededication. But, and then it's like how, right? And the question is, but you said in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Again, God's asking a question. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. That's terrible to be cursed with a curse. It's like a double curse. <laughs> For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, stay on that storehouse because I'm going to come back. To the importance of that word, I'm going to show you something. Storehouse, all right? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now or test me or prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. Who likes that word blessed as opposed to being cursed, right? For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is important to understand. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So 
storehouse and house, you can see that these are the same thing. Or they're correlated, right? There's a relationship between my house and storehouse. Now, in the River School of Ministry, I'm teaching on tabernacles class. And we've learned that the word tabernacle in the Hebrew is the word mishkan, which means a dwelling place or basically a house or an address. Basically, God's address on earth. God had instructed Moses to make a tent, which was a traveling play, you know, tent, and it was to be a tabernacle. Then later on, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, the glory of God, was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of Moses. Later on, it was in the tabernacle of David. Later on, it was in the temple of Solomon, which at this point, as Malachi is speaking, has been destroyed but has been rebuilt not in the same glory, but it had been rebuilt. This is the second temple he's talking about. So when God says, my house, he's talking about his dwelling place, his address. That is referring to the temple in Jerusalem. All right. Now, let me show you where this whole thing with the storehouses comes from. So go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 31. Now, some of you will remember this one, so I'll just start reading from verse 1. Now, when all this was finished, and all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke the sacred pillars in pieces and cut down the wooden images and threw down the high places and the altars from all Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh, until they had utterly destroyed them all. So this is the time of Hezekiah, the reforms of Hezekiah, one of the rare righteous kings. Amen. Then all the children of Israel returned to their own cities, every man to his possession. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites according to their divisions, each man according to his service. The priests and Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for the burnt offerings, for the morning and the evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths and the new moons, and the set feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. So they're now doing everything. They're coming back. You see, they, the nation had been so backslidden. They're worshiping idols. Hezekiah is raised up. He begins to destroy the idols. He begins to set back in order the ministry of the Lord, the priesthood, the offerings according to the word of the Lord, everything according to the word of the Lord. Amen. So now there's, they're ordering, the, uh, restoring divine order in, in the kingdom, and everything is now being placed in order. And, and Hezekiah is basically, the whole nation is now repenting and returning to the Lord. Sort of like what Malachi is talking about. Return unto me. All right. Moreover, he commanded, verse 4, the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God, and they laid them in heaps. heaps. Now, we spent a lot of time last year talking about heaps. Some of you weren't even here, so heaps. They are bringing in heaps and heaps. All right, now watch this. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps. heaps. All right, so that's, what you, that's your cue to... 
Let me try that one. Don't everybody get with the program here. In the, in the third month, they began laying them in. There you go. That's a lot better. And they finished in the seventh month. So, so from the third month to the seventh month, they just keep bringing and bringing and bringing. I mean, what in the world is going on? You know, they have all this abundance to bring because the Lord's blessing them, right? And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. There you go. And Ezariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, Zadok, or basically means righteousness, the house of righteousness, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people. And what is left is this great abundance. I thought you'd be a lot more excited than that. Now watch this. Now, Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms. That's where the storehouse comes from. Those rooms, the storehouses, were prepared by Hezekiah. So what Malachi is referring to, that there may be food in my house, are the storehouses, the rooms, making room for the increase. Come on, somebody say, make room for the increase. Make room for the abundance. That's preparation. What does that mean? They're expecting those storehouses to be filled. So what Malachi is referring to, that there may be food in my house, in the house of the Lord. So around the temple in different areas, they begin to prepare these storage places, these houses, these rooms, storage, storehouses around the temple so the priests could bring all that abundance because they didn't know what to do with it. There was so much. There was more than enough. There was so much. There was more than enough. And they started to store them in the storehouses that Hezekiah prepared in the house of the Lord. To prepare the rooms of the storehouses in the house of the Lord. And they prepared them. Then they faithfully brought in the offerings, the tithes, and the dedicated things. Conaniah the Levite had charge of them. And Shimei, his brother, was the next. And a bunch of other guys with names that are going to be hard to pronounce. Under the hand of Conaniah and Shimei, his brother. And the commandment of Hezekiah the king and Ezra. Azariah, the ruler of the house of God. So Azariah was the ruler of the house of God, which means the temple. The rebuilt second temple is what's referred to as the house of God. So in the house of God, they prepared storehouses. So when God is speaking, speaking through Malachi saying, bring you all the tithes. Because they had so backslidden that they were not bringing the tithes. And they were cursed with the curse. And if you actually read Malachi chapter 1... They were bringing sickly animals, blind, lame animals, the rejects, things that they didn't want. They were bringing them to the Lord. And, and, and God's like very, very upset. I mean, he's, he's actually very angry. And he says, you know, if I am a father, where is my honor? You know, you bring in me the rejects. You bring me the leftovers that you don't want. You know, return to me. So the whole book of Malachi is a big rebuke. No wonder that there was 400 years of silence after that. Because the heavens became like bronze, brass, because of their sin, because of their backslidden stage. But you could see what happened with Hezekiah. And how was it the return to the Lord? You could see the returning to the Lord wasn't just, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, amen, Elohim, Adonai. No, it was bringing offerings day after day after day. That's how they worship. That's, so when we tithe, it's our worship. So it's, the question isn't, 
Should Christians tithe? Should Christians worship? You think Christians should worship the Lord? What do you think? You think Christians should worship the Lord? Yes, tithing is worship. It's bringing God honor. It's, bring, it's thanksgiving offerings, thanking the Lord, praising Him for His goodness, for His covenant. Hallelujah. So Azariah, at the commandment of King Hezekiah, the ruler of the house of God, or basically he was in charge of the temple, right? And then Kor, the son of Imnad, the Levite, the priesthood, the keeper of the east gate, because there are different gates to come in to the temple, was over the freewill offerings to God to distribute the offerings of the Lord and the most holy things. And under him, again, a bunch of other guys with names, his faithful assistants in the cities of the priests to distribute allotments to their brethren by divisions, so the, to the great as well as the small. So that's exactly what is happening here when God is saying, bring the tithes and the offerings to the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. So think about this. The Lord is calling the tithes and the offerings food. Why? Because first and foremost, the tithes and the offerings, there were all kinds of different tithes. I don't have time to go through it, but some of the tithes were for the priests, the Levites. Some of the tithes for the, for the upkeep of the temple. Some of the tithes were also distributed among the people. So there was three different ways that tithes were used. And so it provided food for God's people, for the nation. And God blessed the nation. The priests, that were, the ones that were in full-time ministry were basically provided for. The poor and the widows were provided for. The ministry, the upkeep of the ministry, the temple, everything that needed to be done was provided for. And there was more than enough. And there was so much that they began to store them up in storehouses. And then they would take them at different times and distribute them to the people. So you can see now the whole principle behind God's economy. Come on, somebody say, God's economy. Okay, so you're either going to be under mammon's economy, buying and selling, which is, all, which is ultimately going to lead to the mark of the beast. You know that. People will have to take the mark of the beast for survival's sake to buy and sell. Amen. And look at what's happening. The crypto market is under attack by the big banks right now. They're trying to drive down the prices so they can buy all the crypto. And then they, then, and they're going to try to destabilize it, and they're going to try to push. They, of course, you know that the U.S. dollar is being destabilized because the idea is to br bring, on, you know, bring in a central bank digital currency, and then tie it to basically an electronic digital control system, tie it into the whole vaccine passports, everything. And then you listen to uh, Schwab, who needs an anal Schwab. Sorry. You know, the leader of the, or, or the president, I guess whatever they call him, uh, of the World Economic Forum. And he's talking about how by 2030 people will have chips in their brains. Just pull it up. It's all on YouTube. You can watch it, whatever. I mean, and then we need to be able to track people and, of course, tie all the economy. You can see exactly where it's going. I mean, we are right there. I mean, we are right there. And it's exciting because that means we're about to get out of here very soon in the rapture. So you're either going to be under the economy of mammon, and so many Christians live, live under mammon's economy. All their principles, their lifestyle, their way of thinking is governed by mammon's economy. We are under God's economy, sowing and reaping, 
giving, worshiping, God's abundant blessing on our lives. That's how God's economy works. Because in the center of God's economy is God himself. And when God is honored in his economy, guess what happens? He returns honor. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase and in income and the abundance that comes from everything with your sufficiency, with your income, with your possessions. And then what? So shall your storage places. Just like storage places are in the house of the Lord. So when you see storage places, understand that it's talking about what Hezekiah prepared. And it was a result of something that came out of revival. Because prior to revival, they were in, I mean, they were in, under a curse. They were defeated. They were ruled by their enemies. There was lack in the nation. There was disunity in the nation. They were worshiping demons. When revival came, and you can see, it's about the heart. So as I say, it's never about money. It's always about the heart. When people bring those free will offerings to worship the Lord, to honor him, so shall then your storage places be filled with plenty, and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So that's the kingdom of God. That is, that is how the kingdom operates. That's God's economy. You're either going to operate in one or the other, or a hybrid economy. Some are in the hybrid economy. They're trying to do things God's way, but then they still go and trying to do things the world's way. Mixture. Do not sow mixed seed into your life. You're going to get a mixed harvest. So you've got to be all into God's economy. It's, one, it's, it's either hot or cold. There's no lukewarm. There's no in-between. There's no hybrid economy. Come on. There's no hybrid economy. It's, it's either God's economy or mammon's economy. It's one or the other. Because if you got a, even a little bit, you got one, one big toe in mammon's economy, he's going to get you. And you can see what's happening. The whole, the whole shortage and lack, it's all manufactured. It's all by design. It's all a part of the, the wicked global uh, 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 great reset that they talk about. But that's, their, that's mammon's great reset. We got God's great reset. Return unto me and I will reset. Who needs a reset in their finances? Start tithing. Start honoring the Lord. Start giving. Stop running to the banks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Getting, getting another loan isn't a great reset. It's not a blessing. Oh, wonderful. Biden is now going to uh, uh, cancel student loans. Who's going to pay them? <laughs> the debt is still there, and it's owed to the big banks. Borrower is a slave or a servant or a slave to the lender. So it's a system of slavery. Modern-day slavery is debt. Money is debt. If you don't believe it, just look on the Federal Reserve note. It says, legal tender for all debts, public and private. They want you to be in debt. The more that debt there is, the more money is created. How do you think money is created? You go to the bank. You want to get a loan. They loan you money they don't have. They press a button. Psh, money just appears on a screen. They just created money. That's how money is expanded. Through making loans. The more they loan out, the more money they create. And the more it's devalued. Money economics 101.
And at the height of the crash in 2007, there were some banks loaning, listen, loaning out up to 87 times what they had in reserves. They were loaning out money they didn't have and they, to people who knew who, could, who wouldn't be able to pay it back. And then on the backside, they were taking out an insurance called a derivative, believing that you're going to fail to pay it. So they're going to come repossess the house and they're going to still get their money back. Oh, what a deal. You can't fail. And that, isn't that what they said? These banks are too big to fail. And their politicians bought out by them, passed the reliefs and whatever, and, and, and they keep doing that. And money keeps going to Ukraine. Where's all that money going to Ukraine? Please. What's going on with the war? How long is it going to drag on? It's going gonna, it's gonna to drag on until they keep milking it and sucking more and more, more money. People can't get baby food, but we got billions going to Ukraine. And then the military industrial complex is lying in their pockets and their politicians that are in on the deal. They're all in on it. This is mammon's economy. Stop trusting in these governments. Stop trusting in these people. They're a bunch of liars. You, you have to trust in God. Some trust in horses and chariots. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's the only, that's our only hope. God is our source. God is your source. Not your job. Not the government. Not a stimulus check. You want to stimulate your finances. Huh? Start tithing. Stir the waters. Hallelujah. P.W. Thompson in a book called All the Tides, which is a very old book, sums up this way about Israel. And I'll finish with this. I may not. <laughs> we'll see. We know that the religious zeal of the nation varied enormously from time to time and in different portions of the, the same people at the same time. So you can see there were some serving God, others weren't. So long as the Israelites remained steadfastly obedient to those divine instructions in the revelation of which Moses was the inter intermediary, so long, they were, uh, so long they were wealthy, powerful, and prosperous, as long as they, obviously they were in obedience to the word. The law forgotten, their power was lost, their property forfeited, their wealth a prey to the constantly hostile nations by whom their territory was surrounded. The history of this people resembles a seesaw, up and down, yo-yo. Don't be a yo-yo Christian. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a yo-yo Christian. Do you even know what a yo-yo is? Who used to play with yo-yos? All right. At one moment, for their righteousness, they are the head of the nations. At the next, through their defection, they have become the tail. Adversity brings repentance, and repentance, a national hero, sent for their deliverance, abandoning their sins, obedient, obedient to the whole, whole law, they again resume their ascent, ascendant path until the maximum is attained. Then another fall. So up and down, up and down. We may safely take it that the history of the nation of Israel is a history of the tithe. Resolve itself time after time into three stages. Namely, one, a wealthy nation forgetting God and withholding the tithe. Sounds like America today. Hello. When it, it's now, I think, the latest is like 3 to 4% of the body of Christ tithes. 
when I started out in the ministry 25, 20, 26, 27 years ago, I used to hear numbers like 12%, 13%. Wow. So what is that a reflection of? The spiritual condition. Not the financial condition. Spiritual condition. We have more now than we did 25, 30 years ago. But the spiritual condition. That secondly, second in the cycle was a desperately impoverished and penitent nation faithfully paying the tithe out of their small annual increase. And third, a nation of increasing affluence and influence still paying the tithes and experiencing the blessings accruing there from, which is the heaps. heaps. I want to live in the land of heaps. In the land of delight. Come on, somebody. Not in the land of just enough. Not in the land of less than enough. I want to live in the land of more than enough. So we can see the, the history of Israel is set forth as an example. And that's what the Bible says, right? It says in the Hebrews that these were given to us as, as, a, as an example. Types and shadows, but also as samples as we look at church in the wilderness the Old Testament church, the natural Israel, to be basically an example to spiritual Israel, the New Testament church, made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, where the blessing of Abraham will come upon the nations. Amen. Right? So the history of Israel is set forth as an example, as a type to the New Testament church. Churches rise and fall. Revivals come and go. Believers go forward or backslide. And the effect of this is seen spiritually and financially. Always, always. May we be a people that learn from history in these last days, both spiritually and financially, and trust in God and live in the realm of giving to our God and be blessed. Amen. Amen. So there is, there is, the blessing of God hasn't stopped because some wicked people in some dark corner in some hidden in some hidden dark room made a plot and a plan but they but but there is a plot and a plan it's to impoverish the nations it's to usurp it's to usurp power it's to usurp the economy it's to usurp the financial resources that's all that is are we going to let him do that are you going to let him do that in your life or see here's the thing Here's what I tell people all the time. If you separate yourself from the world system, then you have nothing to worry about. Come out from among them. Detach yourself from the world system. I understand it's easier said than done. You still have to go out and work there in the world, but you're not of the world. That's what that means. But detach yourself from putting your trust in the world system because that world system is coming apart it's it's gonna unravel it's gonna it's 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 being shaken and christians that are attached to the world system they are being shaken and we've seen many being shaken in these last two years churches are being shaken <laughs> i almost i stood out laughing i didn't mean to but when we were singing you're a good good father there was a church singing you're a good good mother I mean, you know, that's, that's where we're at now. <laughs> He's not the mother God. He's not the mother earth. He's the father God. Right. 
How far has the church fallen? How far has the church gotten away from the word? The woke church, you got a bunch of woke preachers. Tickling ears. Oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Malachi 1, if I am a father, where is my honor? You honor God no matter what you're going through. We might, we might need to take more Christians up to the mountains of Mexico to, to, to see how people really live. I'll take you places in Turkey to see how people really live. I mean, you got one part that's like five-star high-rises, wealth, BMWs, Bentleys, I mean, Ferraris, and then you go to, you just walk three blocks, rats running around, kids with no shoes, living in decrepit houses that should have been abandoned. I mean, it just, it's crazy. Some people have no idea the blessing that we have here, and they take it for granted. They have taken the blessing of the Lord for granted. So let's, let's, even though it might be the cycle that in the general sense, maybe much of the church might be in financially dishonoring God, but don't be one of those that if you, you can see, if you are true to the Lord and faithful to the Lord, he's going to be true and faithful to you. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So they got all kinds of money laundering schemes and they have their big media to push the propaganda. We don't buy into any of that, man. We don't listen to that. I, I don't even, I laugh at it. I see right through it. But many don't have the discernment. And you know what happens? Let me tell you right now. Let me tell you. I'm going to say this right now publicly. Somebody said, oh. No, but listen. <laughs> The condition of your heart concerning finances and giving is going to make or break you. If your heart is not open to giving, you will come under deception. I warn Christians that has, this has nothing to do about getting another big offering. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with protecting you because that's how you protect your heart. Because if you don't protect your heart in the area of giving and you hold back what is justly due to the Lord and guess what happens he's going to hold back revelation and when he holds back revelation guess what happens you come under deception come on somebody because in these last days those who live by information will not make it only those who live by revelation will overcome so to be an overcomer, you, you're going to need revelation. You're going to need the word of the Lord. You're going to need to know God's word has to be light onto your path. 
the eyes of your understanding must, must be enlightened that you can know you can see you can discern and that's why many have don't, don't have the discernment because their hearts have become lukewarm or even cold they have lost the fear of God and they live anyhow using grace as an excuse and they're coming under deception the strong delusion of the last days and my job here is to keep everybody on the straight and narrow path I'm not here to be popular I didn't come here to be liked you may not like me you may not like my shirt some people don't come to church because they don't like my shirts I like my shirts my coat of many colors that my father gave me some people say I'm political no I'm biblical the Bible covers every area of life including government politics everything covers everything I'm gonna just come here and just you know share a couple little soft scriptures sometimes the word is gonna be like sandpaper and it might be really coarse I don't know the grits I can't think of the numbers now but is it 80 grit yes who's in construction 60 grit which is the coarsest one <laughs> some of you got holy ghost has got 36 grit man it's like grinding it's like friction it's okay some they've moved on to 80 80 grit others now 100 grit somebody's now at you know 150 what, what's next what's the fine one 220 okay so just a little just 1000 now some of you getting a really nice glossy shine on you you know you know but don't fight listen don't fight don't don't fight the grinder don't fight the don't fight the sandpaper you don't don't fight it hallelujah some of you you actually being chiseled he's got a hammer and a chisel there's a big chunk that needs to come off <laughs> a big old chunk I don't know what happened to me this last week I got into all these wood wood turning videos on YouTube I just sit there this thing is turning for 10 minutes. I just like watching it I mean it's crazy he got this big log and he's got this chisel big chunks are coming off you know I was like man this will preach I was like I'm getting a message out of this right here right now <laughs> my daughter comes and says dad you're watching that again what are you gonna get into like uh, wood turning I said no I'm, I'm a preacher but I'm, I'm getting a message out of this right now this is really interesting look at what he started with and look how what he ended up with my lord you know he says I am the potter you're the clay he's shaping you and, and you can't shape hard clay you got to soak it in water so you got to soak it in the water of the word and then once you've soaked it in the water of the word and you shaped it then you put it in the fire then it's set hallelujah <laughs> I'm having fun this morning hallelujah
Somebody just had, had a big, I just heard that big chunk. Big chunk just got knocked off, that big, big chisel. Hallelujah. Others are just getting the final finishing oil on it with the nice, fine microfiber cloth just getting you a nice, glossy shine. You're going to shine for Jesus. But you know what? If <laughs> you see that big chunk of, you know, wood and you, there's nothing appealing about it. But the Lord's working on you and you've got to let that word work. You've got to let the Holy Ghost work. And you've got to let, let him <laughs> work in your heart. Hallelujah. So, again, it's not, it's not about just money. It's really finances is such a huge reflection of the spiritual condition of the heart. And that's, that's probably one of the number one places. And that's, as we looked at last week, we look at one-third of the parables of Jesus. And one out of every five verses in the New Testament deals with stewardship. That's a big, 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 big area. And it's a very neglected area because, again, like I said... The most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one right next to the back pocket. So <laughs> that's why sometimes it's got to get spanked also. All of a sudden, ooh, revelation goes up here. Kids get revelation. <laughs> Boom. All of a sudden, they got revelation. Now, unfortunately, we can't spank adults. You know that. But you, you know, but you got to let the Lord work with you. Hallelujah. Now, again, if it's not you, just look at me, smile big. Again, you know, everything's well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Heaps. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.